<laughs> Good job, John. <laughs> I love John. How about the worship team? Can we honor the worship team this morning? Because it was very, it was very anointed. And uh, Zach, you and Jacob's hair are just about growing back in there. It's looking good. They came, they came over to, uh, they called Nicole and said, if we come home on our lunch, can you shave our heads? And Nicole was like, why? And, and so they came home and I, I had to go outside and, and watch as she shaved their heads, literally, because I thought, this is cool. Hey, I want to mention a couple of things to you. Um, one is this, we're getting ready to have a tent revival. It's going to be July 12th through the 15th. And the location, it's going to be housed in a, in a, you guys remember Aaron and Julie Schilling that came? Aaron preached about three weeks ago. Okay, uh, two of you, that's great. But um, Aaron and the Schilling family, they have, a, they have a 60 by 40 foot tent. They travel the nation. They do tent crusades all, all around the nation. And uh, he, he had asked if we would host their tent crusade that they're going to do. And so we're going to be hosting it right up here on the corner of Oak Grove and Elm Springs on the southeast corner, right there, right across from Jiffy, Jiffy Lube, right in that location where they sell fireworks normally. In fact, when the fireworks tent closes and they take all their stuff down, we're going to be setting up our tent. Um, so we're very excited about that. Now, let me tell you what it's not going to be. Because... I was posed this question, and I thought, man, I haven't, I, I think we need to clarify in this day and age what it's going to be. What it's not going to be is a bunch of trash cans lined up at the altar, okay? <laughs> For if you know what I'm talking about. It's not going to be throwing up, you know, and, and all kinds of crazy things. Now, I, am I saying that there may not be somebody that comes that's demon possessed? Yeah, but we're going to do a Jesus kind of exorcism. That's where he, he cast out the demon by a word. So, you know, so we're excited about the opportunity because really what we're planning on doing is making Jesus everything in the tent crusade. And we're looking for healing, for restoration, reconciliation. So write those dates down, July 12th through the 15th, right up here, the corner of Oaks, Oak, Oak Grove, which is this road that'll come out right here, and then um, Elm Springs Road. And we would love for you to come. Amen? All right. How many of you are ready to get in the Word? Take your hands. Put them on your heart. Say this after me. Father God. Let's say it nice like we mean it. <laughs> Father God. I'm asking you. For ears to hear. Eyes to see. And a heart to receive. In Jesus name. If you agree with that, say amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16, John chapter 16 this morning, and <clears throat> I had something on my heart, I thought about this, the Holy Spirit, I've heard it said the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the Godhead. I think a lot of times it's easy for us to wrap our brain around the Almighty God who sits on His throne in heaven. And it's even easier to have a conceptual idea of Jesus who became flesh, dwelt among us, died on a cross, was rose from the dead, and ascended on highest, seated to the right hand of 
of the Father. But I think sometimes when we think in terms of the Holy Spirit, we begin to, in our minds, maybe it's mystical, ghostly, little spiritual, ominous, you know. And so I think because we haven't had a clear understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, that sometimes it can get a little woo-woo, you know. I mean, if I can be honest. And... Yeah, do we need to kick the air conditioner down just a little bit? I see some people waving. All right, maybe maybe a step down uh, or cold cooler. I mean, uh, let's say say what that means. Um, and so I want to talk this morning a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? So you're there in John 16. Look at verse seven. I want to read to you what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The Amplified Classic version calls the helper, he has different names for the helper, different titles, comforter, counselor, advocate, intercessor, strengthener. One of my favorite is standby. Standby, that's an interesting, interesting term. Let, let me read it to you out of the com- complete English version, the contemporary English version, excuse me. In verse 7 it says, but I tell you I am going to do what is best for you. This is why I am going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I am gone, I will send the Spirit to you. So Jesus is saying, hey, this is going to be very good for you that I send the Holy Spirit. I need to go away so that he can come and it's going to be a blessing in your life. And he did come. In fact, in Acts 2 verse 4, it said that everyone that was present in that room, the Holy Spirit came and he filled them. He filled them. All right, so who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a co-equal, co-eternal person of the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's three. Now, the three have different um, functions, but they're all one God. We as Vision Church, we're one church, but we're made up of a lot of different people with different functions. But we're one church. And then even Vision Church is a part of an amazing network of churches all around the world. We're one church of many which represents the church of Jesus Christ, right? So very similar in that. So I want to read to you, though, what the American Tract Society Bible Dictionary had to say about this person of the Holy Spirit. They said this, that he is a real person and not merely an attribute or an emanation of God is clear from numerous passages in the Bible which describe him as exercising the acts, thoughts, emotions, a volition of distinct of a distinct intelligent person no other could be pleased vexed grieved could speak console intercede or divide his gifts severally to everyone as he will so also in the greek as in the english the personal masculine pronouns would be necessary so what they're referring to is when jesus referred to the holy spirit as he him his himself. These are all indicators that the Holy Spirit is a person. So a person is someone who thinks for himself. A person is someone who feels for himself. In Ephesians 4, we know that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Uh, We know that also from Isaiah 63. We also know from Hebrews 10, 29, that the spirit of grace was insulted. 
the Holy Spirit could be insulted. Well, if you're not a person, it wouldn't be an insult, right? So, the Holy Spirit can also be pleased. This is good news. He's pleased at times. So, a person, though, is also someone who decides for themselves. Consider this scripture in the same chapter of John 16. Look at verse 13. It says, however, when he... The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, that will he speak. That means that he has the capacity to make a decision because he's a person. So although he is God, we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. This is interesting. Who do we pray to? We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. In fact, Jesus said this in verse 23, same chapter. He said, and in that day you will ask nothing of me. Assuredly, I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So what's the role of the Holy Spirit in prayer? I'm glad you asked. His role is communion. Communion or fellowship, which is another evidence that he is a person. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, Paul said this. He said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. This is one thing that I'm so thankful for because I got messed up in prayer for a long time, not understanding what the role of the Holy Spirit was. Because I would come in prayer and I would kneel in prayer and once I brought my request unto God and prayed in Jesus' name, I didn't know what else to do. I mean, what else do you do in prayer? You come to God, you bring your list. And so what I got in the habit of was just bringing my list every time. Here's my list, God. Love you. You're cool. Thanks for helping. You know? And yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and, but the communion of the Holy Spirit is this fellowship, this koinonia, this very intimate relationship that we can have with him. And we can walk with him on a daily basis. I love what... Um, and I hope I don't get this wrong, Brother Lawrence said in his book, well, help me with the title, pra The Practice of His Presence. I knew, I, yeah, in my mind, I, I already had it wrong. The Practice of His Presence, what he discovered was, he said, I, I have discovered in my life, to, the pursuit of my life has been to be in that place where I always constantly walk aware of his presence with me. And this is so such a wonderful thing to have where you and I can fellowship with him on a regular basis. So, so this is how we can constantly be in prayer. It's communion. It's communion with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a lot cooler than some of your expressions, but I'll go with it. It's all right. I'm, I'm going to work with it. So, so we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We're in relationship with he, with him. Now, also, Acts 15, verse 28 says this. It seemed good, this is Paul talking, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So here's that koinonia, them working together and again that relationship with a person, right? He's the helper. He teaches. Oh, thank God. He teaches us. This is a part of the reason that we want him walking with us, is that he's constantly showing us but oftentimes he doesn't get asked. Because if we're not aware that he wants to commune with us, then we're not aware that we need to ask questions. 
I was uh, in studying for this message. One of the things I had a question about a certain thing in particular. And so what was I doing? I was on my Lagos uh, software and I was in the Word and I was looking up in concordance and I was trying to get the answer there. And the Holy Spirit said, you know, I'm here if you want to ask me. Yeah, nothing like the Holy Spirit to make you feel bad. You know, no, I'm teasing. I, I'm learning. I am learning. But it, it was like, duh. Remember the old commercial? I wish I had a V8. The people. Yeah. And so that was how I felt. And, and the amazing thing that happened was when I asked him for the answer, guess what? Thanks. He gave it to me. Yeah, it makes me look smart. Yeah. Amen. Abraham Lincoln, during the Civil War, he was asked, are you ever concerned that God maybe is not on your side? His answer was this. He said, my concern is not whether or not God is on my side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. That should be our greatest concern, is that I want to stay in fellowship. Now, I can remove myself from fellowship through known sin. I can remove myself from that fellowship, and then it's more difficult to hear. It's like, have you ever played guitar and you've gotten calluses on your fingers? Whenever you first start playing guitar, it's an ow experience, especially if it was those older guitars. Back when I learned to play the guitar, they didn't have all the different gauges of strings, like light. You know, I'm like, what is light? What is that? You know, I mean, it was like playing a steel guitar if you've ever tried to push down the strings on a steel guitar. And I mean, it was brutal. And my fingers bled. Anybody have that experience? But a day came when I got calloused. That's what happens when we, when we purposely live in known sin and the Holy Spirit's trying to convict our heart, but we're ignoring the conviction as your heart begins to be calloused. In guitar world, it works better to have calluses on your finger, but in the spirit, it does not work well to have calluses on your heart. Amen? Now, I want to read to you out of this is the uh, Dictionary of Bible Themes. <clears throat> There's a longer name, but I'm going to stick with that one. The love of the Holy Spirit is our motive for prayer. The love of the Holy Spirit. When we love the Holy Spirit, we care more about spending time with him, about what he has to say. You know, and, and so now it's no longer that I'm toiling in prayer. Now it's I'm excited to hear what the Holy Spirit's going to say. And sometimes I'm sitting there for a little bit. But it doesn't matter because it's super worth it when he speaks. Because what he speaks can change everything in my life. Amen. So he helps us. In another way, with prayer. We talk, I talked for a moment about the communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But consider this verse in Romans 8, verse 26. And I know I'm giving a lot of scriptures. Daniel, you're amazing, dude. Doing a good job. <laughs> have, they been, have they been on the screen? Have they? Okay, I just want... I thought, man, I'm giving congratulations. I'm not even watching <laughs> <laughs> Romans 8 verse 26 says likewise the spirit also helps us in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered so he helps us with how 
to pray. I can't tell you of the times that people have come to me and said, Pastor Phil, I have an unspoken request. That used to be one of my least favorite requests. Because I'm like, I mean, why don't you give me a gun with no bullets? Why don't you give me a, you know, a bow with no arrows? This is like, I feel helpless. And then I, then I realized that when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the things that you see that happens with people that got filled with the Holy Spirit, in fact, uh, the week before last, we were able to pray with people to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And an amazing thing happened. They began to pray in tongues. Now, tongues is amazing. Because what tongues does is the scripture says that when you pray in tongues, you pray the perfect will of God. Oh, that's massive. That is massive because what better prayer could I pray? And so it's the Holy Spirit that gives the utterance when you pray in tongues. He's the one that gives the utterance. So it's him helping us with how to pray when we don't know how to pray. And oftentimes I pray in the Holy Spirit because I'm waiting to hear from God on how to pray for people. Because sometimes even though I know what's going on, sometimes I want to pray Phil's will. And that's not how you're supposed to pray. That's not going to be effective prayer. But when I pray the Lord's will, when I align my will with his will, it's very very powerful. So let me give you kind of an easy way to understand the functions of the three of the Godhead. God the Father. He's the one that gives, give you an example. Let's say we're going to turn a light switch on. God the Father would give the command to go and turn the light switch on. Jesus is the one that walks over to the wall and flips the switch. The Holy Spirit is the power that brings the light on, causes the light to come on. God gives the command, Jesus has already walked it out. My friend, Jesus has already flipped the switch. The light is on, <laughs> in case you're wondering. But we have to access the power that the Holy Spirit has made available to us through the blood shed for you and I. So the Holy Spirit has been there. You know, sometimes I think there's some confusion too because Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And I think sometimes we think that's the first time that the Holy Spirit came to planet Earth. But no, he's been here all the way from the beginning. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God, another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth, over the darkness, over the waters. He was the one hovering. It says in Job 33, 4, it says, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. There at the beginning, remember God said, Let us make man in our image. That sounds like more than just him. Amen? And then Psalm 33, 6 says this, That by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Now, one of the definitions of the word spirit is breath, is wind. And it says in the, the Dictionary of Bible Themes, again, the spirit of God is often portrayed in scripture in terms of breath, life, 
wind indicating his role in sustaining and bringing life to God's creation. So in the Old Testament, known as the Spirit of God. But think about this. The Holy Spirit was the cloud that led the children of Israel in the wilderness. He was the fire by night that kept them warm at night, led them at night. He, <laughs> he was also, who else was he? Oh, he was the wind that came in and split the waters of the Red Sea and held them on both sides, dried the ground so the children of Israel could walk across on dry ground. He was the one that when God breathed into man, he was the breath that went into man. Another definition of spirit is life. Life. You are a spirit. Your body would not be alive without the spirit that's on the inside of you. Glory to God. So, so I want to talk for a second about a guy in the Old Testament. In Judges 13 through 15, there was a man that was prophesied that he was going to be born and he was going to be a special uh, man because he was going to be a Nazarene. They, uh, the angel told his parents, don't shave his head, don't let him eat certain foods, drink certain drink. And his name was Samson. So Samson had some very interesting, he was very gifted by God. And there were certain times that the power of God came on him. There was a time that he, he uh, wanted to marry a wife of the Philistines and he was on, her way, on his way to her house and he was meeting his parents there and a lion, a young lion came out of the woods and attacked him. And it says the spirit of God came on him in power so that he ripped the lion in half with his bare hands. All right, yeah. I, all the guys are going, yeah, come on. All the girls are going, ew, what in the world? There was another time that the Spirit of God came on him and he picked up the, the jawbone of a donkey and he slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Yeah, all the girls probably still going, yeah. So, yeah, but all of us guys, man, we're going, this is gladiator, this is... William Wallace, all in one. And so, but then there was another time that the Spirit of God came on him, the power of the Most High came on him through the Holy Spirit, and he picked up the gates to a city. I mean, bars and all. Not just the gates, but the supports. You know, it's like a door and a door frame. He picks it up. The Bible says he sets it on his shoulder, and he takes it up the hill in Hebron and sets it at the top of the hill. Now, that sounds like it's next door. But where he took the gate from was in Gaza. So Hebron is 45 miles from Gaza. That's, that's making a point. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, here's my point. The Holy Spirit, whenever he comes, he always comes in power. He always comes in power. Look at Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Turn over there. Acts chapter 2. And I want to look at verse 2. It says, now they're all gathered. This, this is 120 disciples are gathered in one place. We're no longer 12. We're now 120. I know, I think it started at 500 and now it's people left. They missed out. Because now there's 120 in the room. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty what? When? What was one of the definitions of spirit? Wind. 
mighty wind, and it filled the whole house and they were, where they were all sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Now imagine in this room if a tongue of fire sat upon, little fire sat on top of each person. Woo-hoo. Fire alarm's going off. Gary, you think you set the fire alarm off on Saturday? It would really be going up. So, sat on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, so the Spirit comes in power. Samson had a problem, and it was called the lust of the eyes. I don't know if he was bothered because what happened with the Philistine wife that he wanted was his, her father took her and gave her to somebody else. Samson tried to come back and get his wife back and, and uh, found out he couldn't have her anymore. So I don't know what happened in Samson's life, but he began to hung, hang around with prostitutes. And so he fell in love with this one prostitute and her name was Delilah. So what happened with Delilah was the princes of the Philistines came to Delilah and they said, if you will find out the secret to his strength, then we will make you extremely wealthy. And she was a big fan of that. And so she decided to find out what was going on. And so it's interesting to me that she does the same thing that, that Samson's almost wife did. Remember when he presented a riddle, nobody could solve it. And she kept on him, you don't love me, you don't love me, otherwise you tell me the end of the riddle. And he wound up giving up the riddle, right? So now here he is again with Delilah. And Delilah saying, you don't love me, you don't love me, otherwise you would tell me the secret of your strength. And so he, he, at first it's a game, and then he starts getting close. Like he says, well, if you tie the lockets of my hair, right? That was right before he finally had had enough and said, okay, it's, I'm a Nazarene. A razor's never touched my head. So that night she cut off the seven locks of his hair. And she said, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are on you which this has been happening several times. You think he'd catch on, but we become really dumb when we, you know, that's what the lust of the eyes can do to you. And so here he is, here he is now, and he, in his mind, is thinking, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to throw them off like I always have. Only the Spirit of God had left him. Now here's the point I want to make. The Spirit of God always comes in power. But he leaves quietly. Samson didn't know that he was gone. Hmm. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, if you could. Ephesians chapter 5. This is really... This is a really interesting scripture, talking about being filled with the Spirit. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, he says, guys, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, I, I don't hear the word dissipation very much. Um, another translated word is, is debauchery. I don't hear that one very often either, um, frankly. So let me give you the meanings of those, because dissipation means to be scatterbrained. It means that you're not in your right mind. You've had so much to drink, you're no longer thinking correctly. 
Debauchery means this. It means to, it, it means extreme indulgence. Extreme indulgence. You can't just have one, right? So listen to this. I've read this in the uh, Holman New Testament commentary, and I thought this is so interesting because it depicts what's going on in Ephesus at the time. It says this, Ephesus was the center of pagan worship and ritual. The Ephesian culture worshipped Bacchus, the god of wine and drunken orgies. They believed that to commune with their god and to be led by him, they had to be drunk. Uh, in this drunken state, they could determine the will of their God and determine how best to serve and obey him. I think Jesus had a better plan. He's called the Holy Spirit. And this is why, this is why Paul is saying, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now think about this word, liberty. Do you know what one of the definitions of the word liberty is? Authority. How's that one? Try that one on for size. Authority. We think liberty means, whoo, I can do whatever I want. Liberty. I'm free. I'm not bound to chains anymore. Well, yes, but it also means authority. Jesus has given you the authority to pray. To speak, to declare. Mm, mm, that's so, that's so, so good. Jesus said this in Luke 24, 49. He said, but stay here. He's telling, talking to his disciples. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then in Acts 1, 8, he said a very similar thing. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So God is calling out the witness in us. He's calling us to be a witness, right? And, and I'm not talking just about passing out tracts and talking to people about Jesus. That your life would be a witness. You guys didn't know it. I shared this with the worship team last night at their Levite meeting, which was very, very powerful. Um, <clears throat> about a gentleman that came. Oftentimes in, here in Vision, we've had different people come to church that have sat, and you can see tears coming down their cheeks. This has happened numerous times. And I remember one guy in particular that came and sat in the middle, and, and he, he was pretty much bawling at certain points. And I thought I was saying something wrong. You know, you just can't read people's expression, and you shouldn't try. But, you know, I've got flesh to contend with, too. So I'm just kind of going, what did I say? You know, this guy's balling, you know. And so I thought, you know, it was over. Well, it just so happened that, Gary, you knew, you knew him. And, and that, that service was one of, the, one of the catalysts that helped turn his life around. He was not living for God. Not in a place where God wanted him to be. And what did he see? He came in and saw you guys. He saw the living testimony of you guys. Now, that's not an excuse to not tell anybody about Jesus and not hand out tracts and not pray for people. In fact, I got to pray with Joseph just the other day. We were, I was at the restaurant. Joseph, you came up and you delivered our food. And we were like, I said, Joseph, what are you doing here? Because I hadn't seen him in a while. And uh, you didn't have a place. Come tell us real quick. Step up here. Come tell us real quick what happened because we, we prayed with you. Come up here where people can see you there. 
All right, well, I show up every now and then, but that's because I go to New Life. Uh, but before I tell you what happened, I just want to say James 5.16, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And what happened was, is I was in between houses, uh, have been for about a month, and been staying in a horrible motel that nobody would want to stay in. And um, on Thursday, we seen Pastor and somebody else that comes here, and they both prayed with me. And he didn't pray for me to pick a house. He didn't pray for, uh, for anybody else to find a house. He just prayed and asked for God's will to be done and for God to provide a house. Well, that Thursday evening, um, I do Uber, and so as I was Ubering along in Bentonville, don't ask me how this happened, I got a picture on my phone, but the for lease sign was literally just about laying on the ground, and I drive fast. So I was driving by fast, and uh, I don't know how it caught the corner of my eye, except for God. It caught the corner of my eye, and I went, and went over on the side of the road. I took down the number, called it immediately, and uh, the owner of the house, uh, great guy, great guy. And uh, he let us view it on Friday, which was one day after. And uh, he didn't ask for a whole lot of information. He just wanted to make sure that we could pay for the house. And uh, he was more than pleased to give us a year lease on it. Amen. But even above and beyond that, um, God does wonders because uh, this house, and I'll share the pictures with you, it's absolutely the nicest house I have ever lived in. Uh, got a garage, and I move in not this Monday, but next Monday. So Come on. I appreciate the prayer. Come on, man. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Prayer, prayer works. So God has called us all to be a witness. Well, Phil, let me ask you a question. I've already been born again. I have the Holy Spirit inside me. Yeah. Yeah, you do, because your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes inside you, and that's for you. Have you ever noticed that a person that gets truly born again, when they have an encounter with God, suddenly their life, they start cleaning up stuff. What's going on? The Holy Spirit is helping them. The Holy Spirit is helping them clean house, right, so that he can populate it, because, because God... God stays where it looks, it looks good. You heard about the, the Roman Caesar that wouldn't go to a place whenever, whenever uh, Rome would take over a new community. Caesar wouldn't come and visit until they completely redid the entire city so that it looked like Rome. You know, And that's what God does with us. He wants us to become the church, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit helps you do. So when you're born again, the Holy Spirit in you is for you. But when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, and like the men in, in, in the room in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit that coming upon me is for you. It's the power to be able to live the way God said that we could live. So then we have no more excuse being able to look at it and go, mm, you know, I don't, I, I don't see how you could live free of sin. Well, do you see how you could live madly in love with Jesus and how the Holy Spirit could help you? Live a sinless life, no longer live in bondage to sin. Uh, it can, 
It, let me tell you, there's examples in the room. I'm one of them. Amen. Zechariah 4, 6 says this. It's not by might. It's not by power. I'm going to add, it's not by willpower. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Mm. Well, Luke eleven thirteen, and I'll close with this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, the Holy, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room? <clears throat> you know, two weeks ago we prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I felt like there was more than the people that answered that call. And if you're here this morning and you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you say, Phil, that's me, I would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If that's you, would you raise your hand all around the room? Because we want to pray with you and pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.